Hello and welcome to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. This is Phil speaking. With me as always is Dave. And this is the movie talk show where each week one of us takes a movie off our shelf and presents it to the other to share our thoughts with you, our wonderful listeners. This week we've got coming off of Dave's shelf, 2000's Space <laughs> Cowboys. That's tough to say. Directed by Clint Eastwood. It is a little 2000. <laughs> I want to say the year 2000s. Uh, but it sounds strange coming out of my mouth either way. Uh, we, we've got uh, a Clint Eastwood directed space epic yes. coming off of your shelf dave we do uh welcome to the show thank you thank you for having <laughs> how long how long has it been uh, phil 14 years oh my gosh that's 15 my, years that's my clint eastwood impression <laughs> uh, that's good. there's gonna be plenty of them i'm sure yeah uh um, here we <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't practice i didn't practice before the show so might be a little a little rough oh, around no, the okay. edges so we'll get there we'll, we'll get, get there. there together we'll get uh, there. <laughs> that's right Dave, my man, mm. welcome. Thank you for joining oh, me. Pleasure as mine. always this week. Yes, pleasure is and, all mine. Uh, how are you doing? And, uh, why this movie? What What are your thoughts, feelings? What's What's going on today? Well, let me tell you a quick little story first, and then we'll get into it. Okay? Don't 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 worry Please. about how I, how I am. Okay? I I went upstairs. I was just doing some notes, getting ready for the show, as I always do. I'm a master of preparation. Of course. And I went upstairs, yep, and I said, "My I told my wife, I'm just gonna, I'm just doing some notes. I'm gonna be recording soon." She's like, "Okay, that's wonderful. Whatever, don't care." And she's like, "Can you go get my yogurt?" <laughs> so I went and got her yogurt. I handed her the yogurt. She said, "Thank you." She's very polite. And then I'm walking by, and she's watching a network station because we just have the rabbit ears. And on the telly is, um, "So help me, Todd." And then I saw Marsha Gay Harden on the screen. Oh. I'm like, I've that? never seen this woman ever in my life until Space Cowboys. And then she's on this show on a network station out of the one of the three stations that we get. And it happens to be as I'm walking by to go back to my dungeon. And I thought, you know, let's wow. would you call that serendipitous? I tell you what, David, I would call that serendipitous if not for the fact that we have talked a lot about Marsha Gay Harden in our Miller's Crossing episode. Was she Last in that? <laughs> yes. Oh. Right, well, that's I hate, in my defense, Gabriel Burns. That's season girlfriend. one, buddy. We did that early. <laughs> Not just season one, but that was early okay. season one. So help me, Todd. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave and our listeners could check it out in the archives to hear our original thoughts of Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah. Uh, but however, that being said, I am surprised that she was on the telly, as you say. Uh, yeah. That was unexpected, and I would say a little serendipitous. Yeah, well, thank you. Now, when it comes to my history with this movie, uh, it's been on my shelf for a, a long time. Had never have gotten around to watching it. Not sure why. Uh, probably because I was a f uh, some, somewhat like Cowboys and Aliens. I'm thinking, oh, they probably just... <laughs> it's probably a shitty movie. <laughs> it's probably a shitty movie, yeah. And they have this like star-studded cast, all, yeah. all the fellas. Now, Marsha Gay Harden, I want to say she's a budget bullock. I feel like they ran out of money paying all the <laughs> garners of the world <laughs> and all the, the Sutherlands of the world and and so forth and, and so sure. on. But uh, I, I, I'm just joking. She's, I, it's more just she has the same hair color. That's really it. And the eyebrows are very similar to Sandra Bullock. And uh, so, but I, I, we just did Cowboys and Aliens. Now that I'm, I'm talking about it, I, I, I mentioned to my mom that we did the movie and that it was terrible. The movie was bad. 
and it was a bad recommendation to do on the show. And she claims that she never said to do the movie for the show. She says she was just curious if I, if I had seen the movie before. That was it. Your mother is backtracking. She's backtracking away from the recommendation. Uh, wow, she's a pretty honest lady. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we found the moment that we've we've discovered the moment <laughs> where your mother turned into a liar. <laughs> uh, it wasn't uh, through text. It was wow. through phone conversation. So there's no there's no record it's of, no paper of it. Tra- <laughs> I swear she said do it for wow. the episode, but she just said maybe she just asked. I don't know. I I really don't know. Maybe. She did just ask me if I had seen the movie before because she had been watching it on TV. And then that just like triggers any movie that anybody mentions now. It's like, for the, I'll say that for the podcast. Yeah, I can well. do that in the podcast. But I figured this would, it would be a, a, my only opportunity really to bring this one off the shelf. I thought it was a funny sort of Cowboys and Aliens and then Space Cowboys. So I thought, uh, what the heck? Let's do it. Phil's probably probably going to love it. And um, <laughs> probably, I'm guessing you haven't seen the uh, the movie before, so I haven't seen it. But Phil, tell me your history with this film, if any, or even a, did you see this the the cover at the video store? Now, 2000, that's 23 years ago. I'm not sure you're at the video store quite yet, or were you? When did you start? 99. I started December December 5th, 1999 was my first shift. Well, there you go, folks. At the old Red Demon. So there <laughs> it is. I was there for the Space Cowboys <laughs> phenomenon. You put it on the uh, on the wall. <laughs> it, put it on the wall. Absolutely, right at the front, of course. Uh, right at the back story under the S's yeah makes there's sense. A, a lot of copies mm-hmm. um, yeah I am pretty sure I can't remember exactly but I am pretty sure that this had both a pan and scan as well as a widescreen DVD release in those early years there was a little bit of pushback against the widescreen format of course because most of us were dealing with square televisions we were yeah there was a lot of the uh well wait a minute i'm losing my screen this sucks <laughs> so i was uh, one of them many studios <laughs> warner brothers included uh, uh started putting out dual versions so i remember having to make space for the the sort well. of red band and the blue band uh, ah. for uh, to indicate so we well, did a great but service, i did not buddy. i did not ever watch it okay uh, I would always put the Panascan and try and put them as low on the ground as possible and then put the widescreen up at the top, as I yeah, said before. I've manipulated the wall yeah, to, that's, to I better you, uh, you're a cater man- to my needs. Manipulator of walls, for sure, amongst other things. That's right. Among other things and people. All <laughs> the while uh, was trying, you know, alphabetical to be sure, but I wouldn't manipulate a situation or two. I've been known. It's, uh, it's been known to happen on occasion. But I have never seen this movie. It was, you know, Clint Eastwood, I figured we could chat a little bit about him as a director because he's a director that is incredibly famous, has been doing this job for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. almost exclusively with Warner Brothers, which happens to be one of my all-time favorite studios, uh, particularly for the output of, even if we just looked back at our episodes uh, off the top of my head, uh, Dog Day Afternoon and Exorcist are two Warner Brothers movies that are just the, some of the best of the 70s. And they obviously have a relationship with Scorsese. Uh, he, the, I think they did Goodfellas, which we've talked about as well. Uh, they've got a relationship with Stanley Kubrick, George Clooney, and in this instance, Clint Eastwood. So, But he's an interesting director because he's prolific. And some of his movies, I think, are excellent. And some of his movies, I think, are just genuinely bad. I don't exactly know where this falls i hope this conversation can help kind of help you know kind of have it land me uh, one way or the other i'm gonna do my best but, i'm gonna do my best <laughs> i just i find it strange i find it unique that that his this is an actor obviously that grew up on westerns as an actor in, in the 50s and then is a 
cowboy western in the 60s and 70s at La Josie of Wales and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and so forth. And then started doing other kind of any which way but loose. Uh, he did a monkey movie, you know, uh, Call, Call Me Misty. He did directed Bird. He's a big jazz fan. Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Evil, The Bridges of Madison County. So he, he's like uh, Mystic River. There's a lot of different genres. He's like a, a bit of a chameleon that way. He did a movie in 93, called A Perfect World, which I, I absolutely love. Uh, with uh, Laura Dern and, and Kevin Costner. Okay. Um, Ooh. And he did Unforgiven, obviously, in 92 or 3 as we well. We watched that together. We haven't done the um, episode on it yet, but we we watched that with old Gene Hackman and uh, Eastwood. Morgan Freeman. Morgan who Freeman. I, yeah. I did think Morgan Freeman was in this movie, but we can get into that later. <laughs> Could have been. So yeah, yeah. he's just an interesting director because he, he in recent years he did the, the Jersey Boys musical. And I thought, oh, my God, like Clint Eastwood doing a musical feels a very interesting choice. And I watched that movie, and I thought it was one of the worst movies I had ever seen. Well, that's a shame. I think part of the problem is the way in which he, I want to say generic director. It doesn't feel like there's a Clint Eastwood space. All the things you hear about him, he works very efficiently, never more than two takes. Like He's very like, go, 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 go. I watched this movie, and in general, I, because I've never seen it. I wasn't sure what to expect. It's old people in space, and it's an easy <laughs> pitch. Like I, I get, I get how the movie like gets some traction in terms of interest. Sure, yeah. It's obviously got a great cast. Yeah, and it's 2000, so I'm thinking, okay, what? How are the special effects going to hold up? And I think at the end of the day, the challenge for me with this movie, one of them anyway, was is pretty lifelessly shot. The blocking and the staging of the of the scenes. Uh, the writing is fine for the most part. There's nothing that really stands out about it. But in terms of just the way it's shot and put together, feels very lifeless to me. And that was surprising only... It's Oh, sorry. It wasn't really surprising because that's the kind of filmmaker he is. I think it's the choice to do <laughs> this type of movie and shoot it that way. Because that was my problem with the Jersey Boys. And like, you've got a big musical, big Broadway numbers, but it's shot so statically that there isn't any real life to it. And that was a bit of a problem I had with this movie generally was that it wasn't very lively that's and a problem. I get it. Maybe you can't have too lively with uh, with old old people uh, like <laughs> sure. that. But yeah, yeah. I, well, I think it could have used uh, Blake Lively maybe in the movie, and she would have <laughs> to add some life to it. Yeah, we saw her in the town, and she really, uh, of course, bring that movie up a, a, a few notches. Uh, lifeless isn't a word that came to mind. I did feel the space like in the last. Uh, we don't get to space for a while, but once we do get there, I never really felt like we were in space. Like it, it didn't really Agreed. feel lived in. So that's one thing I, I've sort of sort of marked down on my sheet. There was so much presence on the screen with the acting, with these, especially mm-hmm. Clint himself. Yes, of course. Uh, it's just ooh, heavy, right? So, and then Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. and then Sutherland. I don't think I. I think they were able to. Give enough life <laughs> on the screen, even though they're all you know in their seventies. <laughs> I would say this movie for me was incredibly okay. Yeah, okay. And then I'm thinking, I don't know. There's something about this that makes it entertaining, but at the same time, it's really not that good. It was a weird sort of paradox I was in, and I, I really think it comes down yeah. to the acting, and I think the writing was pretty good too. Uh, and that's what I sort of landed in, which is quite uh, an interesting place to be. Yeah, I think I think that that's fair. I think that uh, those are things that I struggled with because, as I said, on a film filmmaking perspective, it didn't really do much for me. As I said, you you have an opportunity when you're dealing with a a potential space epic. You've got the premise is is kind of ripe with 
with opportunity for storytelling and for characterizations and so forth. And I don't really know that it succeeds at anything it's really trying to do, except for the fact that it, its cast is with the exception maybe of uh, James Garner, whom I think is a little wasted in it, elevates the movie to a certain extent. There's a gravitas to each of these actors that we all kind of know and have spent a lot of time with over the years that when they are on screen, they do tend to maybe elevate, as you say, the 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 storytelling. But yeah. I do feel like the movie itself isn't isn't all that good in, in an interesting way. It's like it's, it's cheating. It's, it's like one of those cheating where, a little bit with having those guys on there. I feel like it's cheating a little yes. bit to make the movie it's appear coasting. to be it's, good. It feels like it's a little coasting. Yeah. Where it, it you can put a put a little shine on it, put a little polish on it and kind of trick the people from afar. And that's kind of what was interesting about the movie because throughout other than I mean, we can get into the specifics in a bit, but you know, I have some real problems with this movie, like real distinct <laughs> specific problems. Okay. With choices that are made in it. By the end, I was sort of just sort of uh, thinking, okay, it's it's over. And none of it was bad. None of it was, you know, we talked last week and Cowboys and Aliens is bad. It's bad. It's right? bad. There's yes. nothing really good. Comparing it to that movie, no, this pretty good. That's right. That's right. No amount of acting, no amount of writing, performance or style or anything kind of elevated that. So I think in this case, I was maybe relieved that I didn't feel quite like I did with Cowboys and Aliens. But at the same time, felt a little disappointed because I thought... This movie doesn't really do anything unique or special or different. It's a pretty generic movie that while at any moment throughout the movie, I didn't have any real problems. I, you know, it was going along and everything. I, I think it's a little long as a, as a movie. It's Eastwood's direction and his style of direction and filmmaking that I think is what leaves this a little bit lacking. I think he shouldn't have tried to make a space movie because space isn't accentuated created or whatever and it presented in a way that makes it dynamic or interesting he shoots space the same way he shoots two people in a driveway talking like there's nothing <laughs> there's no dynamic to it right and i think that that hurts the movie ultimately but only in hindsight i don't think in the moment i was picking up other than just sort of feeling bored is not the right word but uninterested really because i was never bored it's like i'm in the movie, I think I always no, I, I found the movie consistently entertaining, and a movie that was a seven all the way through. It was never an eight, it was never a six, and it was okay. just always a seven. And that's good, and that's not great because there's no highs, but there was no lows. Yes, and and, and my faith in IMBD has been restored. I went in there wow. and I had to scroll down pretty far to get to a ten or a two. There were tons of six, okay. seven, six, sevens, and eights. And I thought, oh, okay. okay. That makes sense to me. It took me a while to find a dummy who thought this was the best thing ever to appear on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about that. <laughs> it may have been it may have been my 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 dear close personal longtime friend Mark. Uh-huh. Big who fan? is the biggest the biggest Clint Eastwood fan I know. So uh, much okay. so that he wrote a script on spec, as they say. Okay. And then Sent it unsolicited, mind you, to Malpaso Productions, the Clint Eastwood production company. Okay. And got a letter back saying, do not ever send us unsolicited material ever again, <laughs> oh, basically. That hurts. But it was on Malpaso Productions' letterhead, so he framed it. He, he's a huge Clint Eastwood fan, and when I th watched this movie, I thought of him often because uh, this is the first Eastwood movie we've done, and... Uh, 
And he's a good buddy of mine, and uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. Well, I, I can definitely see the appeal of Clint Eastwood. He's very magnetic, very magnetizing. Yeah. And he really steals the show. And then you, you, you take him, and then you add up these other guys, like, oh, my God, Overdose. And then you have Cromwell, <laughs> who is – we all – you and I both seem to really enjoy when Cromwell shows up. Though, give up on the accents. Just just stop. Stop. He, he's just – he's got to stop. He's yeah. just got to stop. <laughs> it's like halfway through I realize, oh, he, he has an accent now. Interesting. I didn't notice that yeah. uh, before. <laughs> it doesn't hurt the movie. It's just something fun that we. I no, mean. I just. I, I think you're right. I feel like every time he does an accent, he shows up, but it's like the accent only lasts for half a movie. Whether yeah. it's LA and it's not always the beginning. Or it's, it's not like he loses it halfway exactly. through. <laughs> it's right. It's not. <laughs> it's like, well, I've been in this city for a while now. I'm starting to lose my, my accent. But LA Confidential that's is right. just one that's uh, kind of uh, comes to mind. And I feel like there's another one, too, where he had an accent and it sort of just dips in and out as, as it. Uh, yeah. As it wants, it's always always a pleasure to, to see Cromwell. He's been in a, a lot of movies. I was I didn't realize he was actually in this movie, so that was a pleasant Me surprise. Neither. And it was also uh, really nice to see uh, Knott's Landing. William Devane played Eugene Davis. Oh yes, yes, of course. So yeah. uh, and then we had Laura uh, Lauren Dean, which we Lauren would have seen. Dean, yeah. That we saw him in Enemy of the State. He was uh, John Voight's yes. right hand yeah, man. I, I saw him in in a, in a movie called Billy Bathgate, which is a movie I loved, a Robert Benton, uh, which oh, I'll take Benton, off the yeah. shelf for you, my man. Please, I insist. Because uh, you know you know you know who is in that is a little uh, not a big part, but uh, oh, Brucey boy is in that one. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it Bruce? I'm like, nah, it can't be Bruce. Yeah, he doesn't do small it's roles, early, buddy. Uh, no small roles for him. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. in his early '90s phase. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a good movie I really like. But yeah, Lauren Dean was the actor in that. He was in Say Anything as well. So he's an actor that's been around for a lot. Never really hit the big big time, but a guy that uh, stands. He's out recognizable, for sure. recognizable. And the other one I recognize exactly. is Barbara ba- Babcock. She was in a couple episodes of Cheers, playing one of uh, Ted's dames. And uh, oh, okay. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> Cannot uh, say enough about the the crew. Did you know that uh, Barbara Babcock was uh, ranked in People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People in the World in 1994? I did not know that. She does have a certain yeah. sexiness to her, and she actually played that in Cheers, which would have been late 80s. Mm. I, she was yep. uh, Sam Malone's uh, agent, I believe, and he was okay. sleeping with her. And she was just using, like, he was just, I don't know, it was all about sex, and he's like, oh, I can't do this anymore, and... It was just like Sam was the sex toy, and it was uh, you know, a great episode. Okay. And, and anything with uh, yeah, Ted sure. Danson is amazing, as we know. Yeah, he's great. I did want to also mention Courtney B. Vance, although in here he's completely wasted, but he's an actor that I enjoy. He's in a, a, t- Roger. a, a movie I really love yeah. called The Last Supper. The Last uh, Supper, yeah, really with good. Jesus, I believe. Yeah. Moses. <laughs> no, no, Moses was Bill there. Paxton Paul. and uh, Cameron Diaz. It's, uh, okay. I I'll like him that in this. The shelf. That's a, that'll be an interesting one to watch. There's a lot of interesting stuff in that one. I think like Garner, he wasn't really but in I, it a lot, but I really I like I like this guy. He's just I I would want this yeah. guy to be my friend. You know? Yeah, I wish he had more to do. I feel like Lauren Dean is like the the guy with a dark backstory, or at least has some connection to the plot at all. Whereas uh, Roger here just doesn't really factor into anything. He feels. No. They just eventually just knock him uh, out and take him out completely. It feels like uh, Elizabeth Shue in uh, Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah, in Part 2, Just knock yes. her out at the beginning of the movie and then wake her up at the end. Okay, yeah. you're fine. She got paid for that, I wonder. <laughs> we don't know what to do with you. I wonder how much she got Absolutely, paid for that. absolutely. Okay. 
So, Phil, let's get into the film. And I actually had some different names for the movie, actually. Uh, I came up with some fun Ooh. ones. That What else could this movie be called? You know, I thought alts, I'd just have some fun. Alts with Dave. We should, we should have a theme song. Alts with Dave. We'll see. What... <laughs> Here, here's the four I came out. You tell me which one you like the best, okay? Uh, okay. Yeah. First one is No Impact. <laughs> uh, second one is Armageddon 2. The third okay. one a little is less, a little less clever. <laughs> the third one is the Big Bird, because they kept referring uh, okay. to the Big Bird yeah, in space. Yeah. And the last one, if they do the same thing as they did with Cow with Ghostbusters, they call it Space Cowgirls, starring Meryl Streep, Dolly Parton, Glenn Close, and Helen Mirren. <laughs> space Cowgirls. Well, I I, I prefer uh, uh, no impact. Uh, I can I can appreciate the uh, the. <laughs> The alternate casting, you know, having watched uh, recently, you know, 80 for Brady, there's clearly a market oh, for uh, yeah. Jane, Jane Fonda, uh, Rita Moreno, who we, we saw in Angus, uh, Sally Field, and uh, I'm not sure who else. There's a fourth one, though. Okay. But yeah, so there is there is a market. What well, I did want to touch on a little bit. Please, yes. Was just the fact, for me, the movies of the year 2000 were a bit of an anomaly for me because so? as you know so? i found 97 98 99 and 99 it was like this big peak as i said before we've talked a lot about some of those movies even though we haven't necessarily covered them in the podcast we have uh, we have certainly uh, discussed at length but the movie that won the best picture of 2000 was gladiator which i thought oh, was yeah, okay yeah. but not a particularly exciting movie it seemed to be well and, received, but yeah, I haven't watched it. Yet. It's on my shelf. Oh, I still certainly. haven't watched it. It's just so. it's just not a particular like 2000. I found to be a, a real lackluster kind of year in the grand scheme. The movies, some of the ones that I kind of enjoyed were, you know, something like the the movie 13 Days or what, or, you know. But that was the year of like Pay It Forward, which is terrible. I thought Miss Congeniality was a days. huge hit that I didn't like. Uh, the Ghosts. Patriot, uh, Mel Gibson, which is kind of terrible. Little yeah. Nicky, like Sandler comes out with a bad movie. Yeah. What Lies Beneath is a terrible Harrison Ooh. Ford movie. Gone yeah. in 60 Seconds is terrible. Uh, De Palma releases a crappy Mission to Mars. Jim Carrey releases a crappy Me, Myself, and Irene. <laughs> the like, It's just sort of a bunch of... There's a couple, obviously, we talked about uh, Almost Famous, which to me is a phenomenal movie. Um, Traffic and Aaron Brockovich came out that year. Requiem okay. for a Dream. There's others. Like, there is good films. stuff, okay. but there's, is, there's a lot... There's a lot of uh, yeah big names kind of doing bad work and uh, that's my memories and and this I think would fall into that category of of a big name director who frankly released something that wasn't bad but just didn't hit like it just wasn't even though the movie may have been a hit it just didn't elevate nothing was unique about it It felt very generic and I think coming out of '99 where there I felt so many movies were doing so many new compelling things either with the medium itself or the writing was was getting a little deeper or the that quality filmmakers really hitting their stride with with great great work that i thought here it was and really scott doing a fairly you know, i didn't love gladiator i haven't done i haven't watched gladiator in a very very long time since really in the theater then but i remember thinking like this is not a great movie and then when it won the oscar i was just like it's a real letdown considering the previous year how many really amazing movies were made. And so when I saw that this was a 2000 movie, I was a little bit nervous uh, about where on the, where on the so. spectrum it, w- it would fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, I think, in that category of, of, a, of, a, of a good filmmaker delivering mediocre work. And I, I kind of felt that, to get right into the movie, right away, 
I thought, I think I might hate this movie. <laughs> and, you know, I try not to, I try and go over the best of intentions as I've we told all, you yeah, before. You've said that many times before and I almost believe you. But I, t- I don't <laughs> mind the monochromatic look, the aesthetic of that. That was pretty big in 2000s. If you remember the movie Traffic was playing a lot of. Yes, with, very, with a lot different, of colors. Uh, uh, the blues different and color the, schemes yeah. and a lot of uh a lot of yellow in mexico lenses and yep. digital exactly right so so uh, a lot of contrast this and that so it doesn't surprise me that eastwood you know that seemed to be like a not a trick but like a a stylistic choice of the day and i respect that but i have to really question right away the decision to here it is, here it is folks <laughs> have the young people young actors yeah. speak with the old man voices it really was off-putting right away uh, did you have a feeling around that because it is jarring from minute one for me it was very noticeable when i first watched it what one thing i did like about it is i was okay okay that's frank you're you're eastwood hawk you're tommy lee jones so because yes. when they're when you look different and then you fast forward to today and like oh, okay which one was frank I don't. I didn't have to worry about that because I knew. But based on the as soon as I heard Tom Lee's voice and Hawk, I'm like, okay, I'll know who you are later. In Cromwell, yes, of course. It definitely was off-putting when I first saw it, or sorry, first heard it. I should say. You can tell that it's the voices. Another voice is being put over top of the actor. Yes. But the yeah, second time it just I watched is, it's it, jarring. It is. It, it okay. was a little bit jarring when it when the first time and the second time I really tried hard just to go with it <laughs> just to really just sure let it be let it be let it let them have the the fun i'm sure that they enjoyed doing it it's not done very often if i've never seen it done like that before uh, like you i did sort of like the uh, the black and white uh, to kind of kind of put us back in 1958 that was a nice touch it made yep. it feel like we're we're back in time uh you know it's a risky move phil it, it certainly is I landed somewhere on the fence uh, on this one. <laughs> Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Uh, I didn't hate uh, it though. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I well, luckily for me, it was short. Like that that prologue was not a very long, uh, long sequence. It just was really like I understood why you do it. Right, it's a shorthand. It is as you say. It lets you know that the Eastwood is this 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 character. Sutherland yeah. is this character. Garner's this character, and so Mary forth. So it is a shorthand. Is However, yeah, exactly. I don't necessarily feel like it's really all that necessary. To, like I think we would have caught on we to that. We would have figured it out. We would have figured on it our out. own. And I, <laughs> I, I don't. So just as a stylistic choice, I thought very strange and very off-putting. And while it didn't necessarily take me out of the movie, it did leave me a little bit worrisome about mm-hmm. what the rest of the movie would be. Of because if this come, is your yeah. sort of first big choice that you're making as a fil- as a filmmaker, uh, yeah, it's a bad one to me. And I, I thought, ooh, what are we dealing with? And luckily, it was short. I know they they do it to plant some seeds. You've got a heart. You've got a you've got a guy who's who's a little reckless up there, and you know, <laughs> and he pushes the push it push it to the edge. And what? Right? Like, okay, we've seen that. You know, we just saw it. Yeah, in, nothing. In, uh, no, Top yeah. Gun. Yeah. So okay. Well, we're sort of on the same page there, which we usually are. Nine yeah, out of it's, ten times. It used to, we start on the same page and then we switch books halfway yeah. through the the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get past that and get into present day, if we don't mind. Uh, we'll plug along here. What did you think of the garage uh, rape scene? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. She said help. I thought another one. I thought this was just kind of a terrible scene. It's yeah. staged and blocked so poorly. It's such an obvious everything just felt really obvious. I felt like and this isn't what's strange about we've talked a couple of times about movies that do this where it's sort of like if you look at every scene, none of them really sparkle. There's no real reason to highlight any of them. But then when you look at the movie in in its totality, you're kind of like, yeah, it was okay. You know, but look at it closer and it's like, this isn't good. So I didn't really care for, I mean, I guess it's cute that these two people have a relationship, yada, yada. But I did find that it was contrived. And of course, he's the old codger looking, I don't need an instruction manual. And then of course <laughs> he does, right? Oh, like yeah, it just definitely. sets up the tone for the rest of the movie. So it's such an easy joke to make about old people and young people and technology and I don't understand, yada, yada. Um, so I just thought all of it was really like, for lack of a better term, easy and boring, unnecessary. There's a lot of this movie I would just kind of cut out. And, and at two hours and 15 minutes it's or so, I think uh, easily, yeah. it's a, it totally, you could have easily cut out 20, maybe even more uh, yeah, I think, along I think the way. And this a- was one of those... Yeah, I think it would have benefited from being a little bit shorter, just a solid, you know, 17 minutes shorter. I will say, though, I don't think they overdid it with the old stuff, you know, the old jokes. I think there was overall. Sure. I'm at, You see, some of them are kind of easy, but I didn't think it was too much. Like, there wasn't uh, oversaturated with. I agree. I agree with you. I think one of the, the, the things, when I, I, I think that they actually make pretty good use of the old stuff later in the movie. This just feels like an too, it's too easy. Mm-hmm. It's too, it's, it's too ball. early. Like again, the instruction manual is such an easy joke, and it's not just old people, right? It's just like men or men. Could yeah, be, that's just men. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like they, that's the type of joke you make for any type of specific demographic of people, right? Where I don't need that, and then you do. Yeah. Like, it's just that's an easy joke. But I like some of the other stuff they do with the old, yes. you know, versus young kind of mentalities. Some of the jokes are, I think, play really well, and I think some of the drama plays pretty well. I, I wish they would have spent a little more time with it. But uh, I think throughout the movie, we'll talk about them as we go through. But I do think as a, as a as a theme, it's not a bad it's not bad. I just think this particular scene doesn't give me what I want from it. Now we have a Russian satellite in space. Now we have a rate of yeah, decay. Yes, we do. My rate of decay in my twenties was pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I was able to slow down the rate of decay in my forties. I, I, I smartened up uh, around that. But I do, I, I, I like, I mean, again, easy, but the scenes with, with Dean, uh, Ethan, his name in the movie is Ethan, I forget sure. his last name, Ethan Lance, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't really matter, uh, we'll call him Ethan for the rest of the, uh, of, of the show. So there is that sort of, I'm old and I know better than you, you're young, you have different technology, yeah. uh, that is easy. Luckily, again, uh, with the older stuff, it's not ov- it's not overdone. And there's only maybe a handful, two or three scenes, really, where they kind of butt heads. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. And I will have to, s- I, I, I will say this, in this movie, and I don't know if you found it obvious or not, there's the ice crunching in the mouth and the gum chewing is done exceptionally well by all characters. Oh, you must you must have had the the full tweak. Oh yeah, you must have I cranked I, cranked up the volume. You really I had um, I was it. using actually a pair of headphones, Sony headphones that are really good, like really clear, okay. very bassy, and the ice crunching was great. And then we have this scene where to jump ahead a little bit for a moment, we have Eastwood meeting uh, Cromwell in the office for the first time, offers him some coffee, and he's actually chewing gum and drinking coffee, which is 
as a faux pas in my opinion but he does okay, such a good okay. job of it i'm like nice work and then you have knots landing <laughs> a little bit later i'm just gonna call him knots landing <laughs> eugene oh knots uh, old knots comes in and yeah uh, steals and the he's show. just chomping <laughs> just chomping but he's so damn good at it but it's it just i'm just that's what's got my attention and it just adds to the the already strong presence of these uh, like great character or great actors i should say just you know a little long in the tooth that have been around and are just able to uh, get your attention so i just thought well you don't need my attention you already have it because you're clint eastwood but go ahead that's right. crunch on some ice so i yeah, i'm really paying attention to you i just thought that was noticeable for i don't know if you noticed that but i definitely did i i didn't I, nothing really popped on it but now that you say it I, i'm i'm more engaged watch it with again those scenes than watch I, than it I again i've ever thought of been watch it again buddy. Uh, that's all i can say <laughs> <laughs> what did your What did you think of did, uh, about this uh, plot to that the world was the Earth was going to blow up or potentially blow up? Did you? Uh, or did well, you we realize at that a little bit? Well, I mean, they once we get it, once it develops, there's a thing hurtling towards Earth, and we have to stop it. I think to myself, we just we just watched this movie. Yeah, well, in this case, it would just normally burn up in the atmosphere, but they want to save yes, it for some reason. Nukes. So there is there is that mystery. And I, I've sure. been saying to myself, I really hope this mystery pays off. I find the movie yeah. mildly entertaining, and sure. if it can if it can take this mystery and really amp it at the last half hour, I think uh, this movie is overall going to be a good experience. Have the old James Cameron effect, and it'll have a lasting impression at the end. And uh, I'll say it right now, it didn't land, unfortunately. Uh, unlike yeah. um, the shuttle, it didn't land because <laughs> the shuttle does spoil alert. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I didn't. And, and the thing that drove me nuts the most about this movie was the fact that if this if this thingy goes offline, it's going to assume yeah. it's c- catastrophe. And just, that's right. And, and nuke. So, I mean, if I'm at work yeah. and the computer, if every time the computer <laughs> went offline, that we the the world would get nuked. Uh, we'd be nuked every day, so I think that sure really was irritating because movies like this, you're, there's always a risk where it, it, there's space involved. Something's not going to make sense, and I know we're we're really good at accepting things in its own world and its logic. Uh, that just didn't make sense on in on in any world, and that really irritated me. It's something so small. But it's so dumb. Oh, if it goes offline, it's going to nuke several big cities. Well, no, yeah. I don't think things are designed that way. So that was off putting. Well, you know what? You don't know what the Ruskies were up to back then. You know, could have been anything. Well, but yeah, I yeah, agree. I mean, it does, no, it, I know it's it the does Cold War. Sort of some credulity. But yeah. you're still going to have somebody who has to hit the button. That's sure. all I'm saying. Somebody yeah, in Moscow. That's fair. I think that, uh, you know, we talked last time. When we talked about Armageddon, then we always made the joke, you know, sort of why is it easier to send drillers up than astronauts? Uh, I did kind of find myself at first thinking, why is it easier to send old men uh, <laughs> rather than young men? You know, can't, yeah, yeah. why can't the young men just learn? They are, they're all astronauts, so there isn't quite the same paradox in between. But I felt yeah. like sur- surely the young people could do this job. But uh, I yes. didn't think about it too long because, again, I think the gravita- the gravita of of those actors kind of lend itself to like, no, no, I want to see them do it. Even if other people could, and even if it maybe doesn't make the most sort of sense or whatever. Yeah. I want to see these guys do it. 
that these guys doing it, you know, it's like I'm I'm on board. I can kind well, of that's appreciate what's entertaining it, but it kind about of the movie. Make yeah. me make me laugh about it. You know that that so, it's still as unreal. It's it's still as unrealistic in my mind as the the Armageddon one. But it's like I buy it easier. It's like oh no, this this goes down a little smoother. Yeah, I'm willing to go along for the ride. So generally, I don't mind yeah. the plot. I, uh, but yeah. what I just talked about is what irritates me the most. Is just I was really let yes. down by because you you get that sense from Cromwell and the Russian character, which he was in Mission Impossible, not really important. You get the sense of this. There's more to this story. Like what? Why is Agreed. Eastwood's? Uh, why is that design in a Russian satellite in this bird? Yes. as they co- refer to yep. it constantly. That's interesting. That's a mystery. I want to find out what that is. And yeah. uh, it's, it was just generally a, uh, a bit of a letdown. But when it comes to the plot, yeah. I was I was okay with it generally. Like, okay, I, can, I, I this is going to be fun. It's going to be the point of a, a movie generally is to be entertaining. And I think these guys can entertain me for a couple of hours. And they generally did. But there were some, some irks. Yeah, for sure. Along the way. So now we've got one of my favorite scenes in any movie generally is the gathering of the team is the ama- you know uh, amassing the group the mission the A-team, whomever the case <laughs> who do we bring in and how do we get it done and so forth so now we've got clint who's who's kind of strong-armed his way back into the mission uh, due to his sort of history with cromwell well he blackmailed gets, him, but yeah that's right yeah well, i said strong-armed i mean i didn't want to put a too fine a point on it uh, but uh, here, here we have the the gathering of the troops, as it were. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, we can go kind of one by one. And again, J- James Garner is is probably the easiest one to say. He's to me completely wasted. I like that actor. He's not one of my favorites at all, but he was good in the Rockford Files. He's great in a, in a later movie called Twilight. I loved him in a movie called Tank, way way back. Coincidentally, is his sort of nickname in this one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Um, what? Yeah, he is in a, it's a C. Thomas Howell tank. Uh, it's just a movie I loved when I was younger. And yet, uh, he's kind of wasted here, but he does play the preacher. How did you think that scene kind of went? Did you enjoy the... We don't have to go one by one specifically, but just in general, like, how do you feel about those kind of rallying the troops kind of scenes? You know, I've got to go and get a team. Well, yeah, I kind of have it, had it down in order, and the first one is James Garner. He's clearly uh, pretty boring at his current profession of preaching. And... Uh, you know, why the hell not was uh, when he prayed. And, uh, you know, that was sort of funny, I guess. I love, I like James <laughs> yeah. Garner. I, I haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, he was in Eight Simple Rules, a funny show with David Spade and okay. John Ritter until he passed. Uh, but I loved him in a moment in Notebook. Like he had me in tears. Oh, interesting. In, like, in a 30 second moment. It's a movie that I haven't seen for for many years. I, I didn't love it. I didn't mind it though. It's, it was coined. I, I don't like to use this term, chick flick, but uh, it was okay. a romantic movie. I don't know if you've seen yeah, it, of course. But 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 he no, played never. the old version of, of Ryan Gosling, and he Spoiler. was just able to. He floored me. It was just like, wow, this guy's amazing. He and I know he's been around for a while. He did a lot of stuff. I'm sure back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm guessing. All that aside. I just he is definitely underused in this film. Now I know there's a lot of people in the movie, and there's not enough time for everyone. I get that. Uh, we can't make it. I don't know. They could have given a little bit more something to do, make it a little more impactful. I wasn't really sold on the whole preacher thing. I didn't really fit. No, like it just no. sounded like a and yeah. It, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like that. 
but no, a, it as does, a to me, choice. one of the challenges is that it doesn't really seem to give him like, okay, so we'll we'll buy that he's a preacher. Okay, that's a thing. But at no point in this movie does that come into question. That no point in that movie does it call like have anything really to do with his character. There isn't a moment of crisis of faith. There is not a moment of him unable to perform a particular action because of his faith. Yeah. There isn't any connective tissue to just, it. So a couple it jokes, doesn't offer yeah. any exactly. He gets a little like I'm gonna prey on this. Ah, screw it. Let's go or whatever. The, you know, nothing has any resonance. So it feels very strange to include it because it doesn't have anything to do with not only doesn't it have nothing to do with the character and the plot, but it also has nothing to do with the mission. Like when when we meet Donald Sutherland, we can jump a little bit. So jo- Donald Sutherland, he is an engineer and he's dealing with roller coasters. That's his that's how we meet him. Yeah. And he's doing like a quality assurance test on them. Now, eating a banana. That eating a banana and, and whatnot, he's totally chill with it. There's part of me that is like, okay, well, I think it's, you know, it's not the greatest introduction ever, but at least it feels like it connects to the movie and to the character at large because that's his job. That's his role on the in the mission as well. So that is connective tissue that makes some sense to me. Uh, but the the James Garner stuff just didn't really gel. I was like, I don't understand. As a character, I don't know what this does. And as a plot point, it doesn't do anything. So it just feels completely wasted. Whereas Sunderland, at least I find, connects a little bit. Yeah, I, I can understand choosing a profession because it offer lot, offers some funny moments. I can appreciate sure. that. But this doesn't utilize that to the max. It's like two things. So it seems like an odd choice. Now, when it comes to Jerry O'Neill... At first, I'm like, is that his daughter, <laughs> girlfriend? I'm thinking, well, <laughs> I watched it the second time. I'm like, no, that's not his daughter. Like, I saw the kiss again. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's the girlfriend, which plays his character uh, very well, obviously. The great little scene, like I use my glasses to this, this, and I use them to walk, I thought was pretty yes. funny. Uh, so there's funny. a good moment, yes. uh, you know, which one it went senile first, <laughs> what you have for breakfast, and just – I'm glad he got rid of the ponytail. I did not like Donald with a ponytail, but that's no, a very no. uh, bit of a... Well, I think it suits the character, I guess, but a bit of a nitpick there. But I think Donald Sutherland brings a lot to this movie. I think, especially when he's the the third guy, I guess, as you like, if you credit these guys in order, I would say he's, you know, obviously Clint and then Tommy Lee and then you have Donald Sutherland. So it's a pretty deep bench. And I mm-hmm. thought his character was, was fun. He added a, a lot more value that James Garner didn't provide, and, and no fault to James Garner, just to be clear, he just wasn't written into the movie very much. Uh, no one really other than, this is like obviously a Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones movie. I don't think anybody really adds a ton to it, but Sutherland is, yeah, very, very clearly the uh, the third build, let's say, of, of the group for sure. And then, you, and then of course, we meet uh, Tommy Lee, Shortly after, obviously, these two haven't talked to each other. Eastwood and Tommy Lee's character, Frank and Hawk. It's been a while, and he is... I mean, what he's doing now sort of fits his character of what we did see from 1958. Yeah, a bit of a daredevil. Exactly. That part makes sense. But we could have figured that out without the without the prologue, to your point earlier. And uh, I have to say, the work they did with Vomit was very good. I and thought the same thing. I have the same note. <laughs> and I love how he's trying to wipe the This looks like real out. Vomit. Yeah, and they're trying to he's trying to clean up the kid a little bit for his girlfriend. And I think yeah. it's just it's just funny. I don't know. I just got a real kick out of that. It's, it was gross, 
but really good and a, a fun moment. And then now we have the crew all together, and they're introduced with what sounded like Justin Timberlake. And then yeah, it is, it is JT. Did you did you happen to notice who was uh, who directed those two kids over to uh, Tommy Lee? Was that was that Mad Men? It was the Towns. John Hamm. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was yeah, John Hamm. Yes, yeah, I couldn't Mad remember Man. his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask yeah. you that. I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I thought, well, maybe Phil brings it up. But yeah, I thought that was that looked a lot like uh, the guy from Mad yeah. Man, who apparently I was like, wow, John, John Hamm, and like a very like you yeah. couldn't like didn't you have couldn't a line. pick him out of a lineup <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, until five ten years he, later. He's he like, oh, he didn't even star. get the second scene. It was the other guy that got the second quick scene that exactly. brought the two kids <laughs> exactly. over. So he didn't even yeah, earn that in 2000, but he's come a long way and he's flourishing. He really has. He's really has. Uh, and then, yeah, there we go. And now we do officially meet not uh, not landing. Uh, just to add another layer. Now this this guy is more of a TV guy because of his role in Not Landing. Has done a, a movie here and there, sure, but you wouldn't put him uh, in the category with uh, with these fellows, even Cromwell. I'd say you got the of course not, no. you have the A team, those guys. The B team is Cromwell for me, and now you have the C team in Knots Landing. But I, I do have to say, and maybe it was just the gum, I thought he was a, a really fun addition to this movie that also elevated it to become a little more entertaining than it may have been uh, had these guys not been in the movie. So it was it was fun to yeah. see him in that role. Yeah, he's a good actor. I like him. He shows up in a couple episodes of The West Wing, a lot of television, like he was in The Grinder. Uh, as well, which I loved him in. He played uh, Rob Lowe's dad, which and I thought he did that really, really great. But yeah, a lot of yeah. TV generally. He's in a couple of movies. Uh, but yeah, a, a good quality actor. It's nice when he shows up. Uh, I thought, you know, most of the people on the ground, I like I said, there's nothing really about the movie that I want to like tear apart because each of the actors, including Marcia Gay Harden, is doing decent enough work. They're just not mm-hmm. given a lot to work with. So, you know, Donald Sutherland kind of flirting with the doctor the women every everybody frankly everybody he runs into contact with is like yes. you have you have one note right like this is your character flirty go and so every scene is played through he does that it well, lens he, must he does it he's totally charming and so forth but it's it's a bit like one note but that the, other than that i think all the other actors are just showing up and doing pretty pretty solid all, all in all i thought uh, pretty solid work i don't think those how is i don't think that's how i tests go I could be wrong. No, it's not. It's not. You, it seems like you <laughs> could just memorize it. Uh, but yeah. that was it, it. Was it was okay? It was an okay scene. It wasn't terrible. I do like the they're all naked scene, and I love Donald Sutherland in did. that scene. I think that's pretty yes. funny. He has no has no shame, and uh, we we pretty much get into the training aspect. Now we saw a little bit of an Armageddon with some Aerosmith to go along with it. This we didn't get any sort of uh, music. Uh, like that a band of that stature to go around but i did i did sort of enjoy some aspects of this because it is a while we don't get into space till an hour 15 into this movie so there is a little bit a a chunk i'm not gonna spend too much time on on it but i did find little things like the job the i think i call it the gyro thing i don't know the official term and the competition between the two characters i thought was sort of funny and is this thing is this thing on is this thing moving? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's broken. Moving? Yeah, so to I thought me, that's that, just fun. To me, those are the scenes like that I think the movie is actually working the best. So all the other stuff is fine. Like, it's, like we've talked about, you know, it's all fine. But I find that the movie really only picks up not only energy, but also in terms of the characters 
really kind of connecting with me and I'm finding the jokes kind of humorous and the setups and payoffs pretty good is those training moments because uh, that like you're saying the gyro thing is is a good example of that where now these these four people get to sort of roll off each other and kind of mess with each other and be friends and I like that mm-hmm. the young people are giving them like sending over ensure right like to make sure they kind of get their vitamins at the yes. at the cafeteria like that's a funny scene i think the the competition between them whether they're running or they're doing the uh the gyro thing like i said i all of that i really eat up i think like that's where this movie kind of tends to kind of elevate a little bit out of the morass it was in before not that it was bad before it just wasn't interesting i find this mm-hmm. is where they get to really see some some shading and some character and uh as for that particular gyro thing you know i at uh, Walt Disney World at Epcot, they have a uh, an old ride called Mission to Mars, and okay. uh, it effectively simulates that experience uh, in this ride, the gyro thing. And there's a okay. There's two different. There's two different. You can go into the green side, and you can go into the orange side. And the orange side comes with a disclaimer that uh, uh, Ooh, you will yeah. likely throw up because it is that same <laughs> kind of uh, whatever. Yeah. But I did it twice back to back. And uh, you're fine. I was I was fine, but my ex uh, could barely walk afterwards. She she was going to throw okay. up, so she didn't go on anything else afterwards uh, for like. Well, half she's a, a good day. sport it, for it doing it. Her up so, so. bad. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All due respect, but uh, anyway, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's pretty cool, and to see it there, I was re- reminded of that. Uh, that uh, I really like. I said this is where to me the the movie really starts to get a, a interesting. Yeah, I would agree. We have a bar scene. I'm not going to really spend any time on it. It's just. Uh, you know, fun little scene, and I mean, of course, that just further establishes the conflict, the relationship between them two. They get in a little fight outside, of course. But it's fun. It's a it's yeah. a cute little scene. You have a young guy, and I'm glad they didn't go another way and you know make that a thing. Uh, yeah, they made it more of a thing between those two. I don't know. It was okay. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, really that to me take away. That to me kind of made me laugh because I like the fact that. Tommy Lee thinks he's doing him the favor, right? Like, look, I yeah. got you out of that situation, right? It's going to go <laughs> ugly or whatever else. So I thought that was kind of funny, but because of the way in which he did it, he poked all the wrong buttons, you know? So again, I, I like that the two, the dynamic that those two have and the movie both subtly and at times not so subtly play into it and showcase that those that relationship in different angles. And and uh, this was one of those uh, moments where I, I did kind of appreciate the 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 presentation of that of that conflict and they both go into work the next day with the black eyes and you know the yes. the, the funny comments around and that takes me to the next scene the simulation where they're they are working together and they've sort of resolved they got it out of their system to a certain extent mm-hmm. and they're inside the simulation with raj and dean yep. or sorry ethan and uh flying brick is the first time we hear that term thrown yes. out Obviously, that's a um, a seed planter. I yep, like it. Of course. And uh, of course, we have Knott's Landing saying this is flight school 101 stuff, and yeah. they're doing the landing. So uh, I, I appreciated that scene. That's really just to set things up later. I, I almost like the setups in the movie and then the payoffs. That's not yeah, completely that's true. Because I didn't like the original setup at the very beginning of the movie. So I'll take that. I take that back. <laughs> Sorry. I like some of the setups and I like some of the payoffs to really be uh, makes sense. Sounds, yes, and then <laughs> and then they um, sounds like they a fence send, sitting situation to me. Yeah, definitely a back on the fence, and then we have them say it, sending over baby food to the table. Yes, after they funny. successfully land with no uh, with some computer failure, which plays yes. on obviously a little bit later. Uh, later, 
And then they all go on Jay Leno, the ripe stuff. Yeah, I wondered. I wanted to just just ask before, just before that, you get mm-hmm. a. What are your thoughts on the love story? Oh, with Tommy Lee the and Marcia Sarah. Gay, Tommy Lee, because they go on their date just before Leno, and they they he tells the story about his wife or his ex wife and and all of that business. Uh, did you believe that? Like, I found that was a little rushed personally and, and not fully believable, but uh, how did you feel? I know you yeah. got a soft spot for Mr. Tommy Lee yourself. I, I do. I really like Tommy Lee Jones, huge fan. I didn't really have anything noted because I don't think it really did much for me, so I didn't really spend much time on it myself because I felt the movie didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. I don't have an issue with them being in a relationship. In the no, movie. it's obviously it, just it's a plot contrivance. Ultimately, like it's designed, hundred yeah, percent, really just yeah. to offer some emotional, like we want to feel for gr- Tommy Lee's character, right? Yeah, it's Ooh. something to happen at the end, so you have someone on the ground that gets to sort of feel something yeah. as we as the story unfolds. But on its own, I just uh, I thought I don't know if that's delivering what I want it to or what the movie wants me to. I found the story that he was talking about with the outhouse. I don't know. I was kind of confused at what was going on, and I didn't really bother trying to figure it out, to be honest okay. with you. He's just telling a story. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit weird that, oh, I married her four years later, and then it was a weird time to kiss because you're just yeah. talking about his, his <laughs> My wife, dead his, wife. <laughs> his dead wife and kiss me. I yeah. thought that the timing was a little bit off on that, in my opinion. That's but, fair. But... Uh, it was all fine. Like I, I don't think it brought a, a whole lot, but it didn't eat up too much time, so it's, it's no. It's I think fine. that's why it felt rushed to me. I just thought this is unnecessary. But obviously, as the movie goes, you're kind of like, I guess I get, I know why, but it's not very compelling. Now, who it is compelling, however, as you alluded to, is Jay Leno. Uh, put these four guys <laughs> on the panel, and my God, sparks will fly. Yes, indeedy. She was eating it up. She has never laughed so long, so hard. Yeah. Her yeah. smile during that sequence, watching these guys, she was just like, Smitten, it was the greatest thing say. ever. She was like watching the Beatles in 64. It just, I don't get it because yeah. I was like, this is, it's okay, you know, but nothing is, but she's watching it like it's the funniest, most enthralling thing in the world. And uh, I found it kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Uh, I like the jokes Leno makes, you know, about the war and all oh, AT of uh, the North. That's right. <laughs> North, North or South. <laughs> and he, apo- he apologize, apologizes for even making the joke. So it's a fun moment. It's not nearly necessary, but to a point, it is just to, it's for the plot. It helps kind of get out of a corner where we don't really want to send him up, but they sort of have yes, to now, now because now. Yeah. Yes, so I think it plays into the movie well, and they don't spend it's thirty seconds a minute. It's not a big deal, yeah. so it's perfectly fine being uh, being in there for sure. The only issue I have with it is to go on that show. You have to have like you would have to have some approval. Like they're not calling Jay Leno to say, "Hey guys, I want in," right? That's coming from NASA, which means that's coming from Cromwell's department. So the fact that he's sort of like, well, now I can't do it because you were on television. He or someone in his team authorized them to go on TV. It's just not how it works otherwise. Um, yeah, that, but I do no, like no, that's a fun point. I didn't, re- I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's a good point. I do like, generally speaking, I do like opportunities where they were in, in any movie where you take real life and put it in a movie context. So something like Jay Leno, who's playing Jay Leno who's hosting a oh, talk yeah. show like Jay Leno does, and then taking <laughs> yeah. the actors 
playing different characters in real life and so it says like well you're watching something real but you're watching a movie of something real kind of thing i don't mind that that is a is a is a tool utilized in any movie as i said it's it's a it's a it's a kind of a cleverish way to put it together i did find it uh it is short it doesn't change anything but i, I like that it's in there because it gives you like well you're watching a movie but you're really watching kind of movie within a real life within a movie uh, Conan's done it. Jimmy Kimmel's done it. Letterman's done it. Carson's done it. They've all done it at Absolutely. some point in time. Yeah, so Absolutely. it's definitely a thing. I do enjoy it. I get it. a kick out of it. Is all. I do enjoy it. Now, we have a couple scenes generally in the office between Eastwood's character and Cromwell's character, Gerson. There's, uh, I think this is, I think we're in the point in the movie where we find out Tommy Lee can't go because he's got yes. pancreatic, pancreatic cancer. One of you's got cancer. It's a powerful scene, and I think Cromwell does a really good jo- job of calling out Eastwood's character. And so I think the it's selfishness a powerful, of it. Yeah, I think it's a powerful scene because it's a thread throughout the movie that he's not a team player, uh, yeah. and he very and on the nose. A, yeah, so I think this really shows us that maybe he's not really the best team player, but I think he'll come around at the end of the movie. I'm sure, <laughs> maybe because that's maybe. just how these things. These just these things how these things go. What I, what I, there's two things about this that I, there's one I don't like and one I do like. What I don't like is it says, okay, he's going to die in space. Yes. So that's, and I was 100% sure he's going to be the one that's not going to make it because he's going to die anyway. There's no way they're going to kill one of these guys off uh, who wasn't going to die anyway. That's my, my thought around that. But what it does give us a great scene, which is basically right after when he's talking about this other plane that he used to fly. And he's talking to his his love Stealth. interest. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about him, like it's like yep. about being grounded and not My being able to scene fly. The movie. Oh wow, okay. Well, let's talk about that. What makes it is this? Did really just get the uh, the emotional the only, punches? It's just exactly. It's the only time in the movie where I felt any sense of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a short scene, but I think it's well written. It's a little obvious, like it's not like it's anything saying anything brilliant. But his performance is a good one. Yes, the content felt. is is good. You're right, like like in terms of uh, the the allegorical speech. You know, you know what this is about, but it's not about you know, it's not about that actually, but it really is if you think about it. Um, yeah, I think it was well said. I, it was really really well yes. said. Yeah. It's a lousy way to die just sitting down, you know, sitting on the ground, right? Like, it, it reinforces his interest to go up. It gives her the motivation to allow him to go up. And it, the whole scene is played very fast, but I did appreciate his performance and what they're talking about in that in that moment. And I agree with you. It's like, get it up there flying and it, and it really comes to life. But down here, it's just lifeless. And I think that that is... Yeah. Where his character and and all of these characters are at in their age and so forth, I think uh, it's an appropriate use of the language, and I, I really enjoyed the scene. But even that, I wish it were a little longer. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's all probably pretty much the only time that it really felt something, and even then, it it didn't for me by uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But it was more than I anything that I got why later in the movie in space where he actually does, you know, yes, 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 sacrifice yes, himself. Sure. I felt. Uh, you know, like you said earlier, pretty lifeless, and especially in the space parts. But let's before we get to that, we are um, we're about an hour fifteen in the movie, Philip, and it's launch day. Yep, yep. Finally, are you excited? Ninety-two hours. You've got a thing. I don't also think that because of the nature of the way it's structured, that the 
Tommy's not going, he's got cancer, to the he's fine, let him go, is such, it's like two and a half minutes later. So there's no real weight to the scene of him not going, right? There's no like, we got to fight for him. It just felt like all that stuff was really rushed, but I was happy to get them up into this into space. This is really yeah, what the movie is sort of promising uh, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the plot. Right, the conceit of the movie is obviously these four guys are going to go to space and solve a problem. I am both uh, surprised and frustrated by the fact that it took an hour and 15 minutes to get up there and the fact that there was still another hour to go in the movie. I felt, uh, like we've talked about a number of times, the pacing of this movie, I think, really is lacking. And going up to space, you would imagine, like in Armageddon and like in Deep Impact that we've spoken about recently, it adds new energy often it's an opportunity to add more energy to your to your story because now yeah. you're in a new space you've got potential problems with you know in terms of uh, the plotting the electronics the personalities you're now in a confined space there's time crunching right like everything can amp up and you can get a real different vibe and this movie takes advantage of none of it i found it's just as lifeless up here but i was hopeful that it would give me a little more it just failed it just failed to me yeah it was it, it still continued to be mildly entertaining for me generally oh absolutely just not energetic it just didn't elevate i'm like okay now we're getting into the thing and everything i felt was so generic that it was like oh it's just more of the same kind of thing not bad just nothing really exciting we ever i thought it was funny we never actually see what he does like, it, no, it's like you no. know, it's so important that what he designed this that yeah, it's just sort of glazed, glazed over. It's like it's like I, I don't really know what he's doing. And any and they're in the water for a little bit during the training. He's doing something, and that's when uh, Ethan says, "I don't know what you're doing. I don't know either. Nobody knows what this guy is doing." He's yeah, just, that is one of the notes <laughs> I have. Yeah, none of these, none of these, none of the scenes in the movie show anybody doing anything. Yeah, I get Tommy Lee is the is the pilot that that I can. That's the only one I sort of understood. I mean, yeah, I'm not a pilot. It's, it's yes, you can make you can, you can make it look like it's a challenge, though. I think that it's sold short. And then Garner's character, he's the guy that just has to do the cap, go for capture. He's done. He did his yeah, one thing sure. that he had to <laughs> his do. One thing. And, yep. and then you have Sutherland just punching up. Oh, I'll punch the numbers on that tiny little calculator. Oh, little sitting calculator. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad the calculator was there. So yeah, thank goodness. Uh, but these guys are so good at just winging it. They could just bullshit it because they're just that good of, uh, of an actor. But it's still noticeable that these guys are really uh, I mean, the movie's not about that. I, and I get that. I just thought they could put maybe just a little bit of effort to make me feel like, you know, that he really needs to be up there. But he's just <laughs> I don't know. He's like that yeah. guy. It reminds me of a, uh, George's uh, an episode of Seinfeld where this mechanic is, is working on a car and he's actually old and he actually he doesn't even know what he's doing under the hood and he actually ends up breaking George's <laughs> car. George thinks he's like competent and knows what he's doing, but he's just like a senile old man. <laughs> he's just pulling things out and pulling out spark plugs and embarrassingly the car the car starts to smoke after George. But uh, I just thought I don't know what these guys are doing, but whatever. Yeah, it doesn't really I matter, My, I suppose. You have the opportunity, like it's either when you're up in space. You have, as I said before, you can either get really kind of technical and make it that kind of movie where it's about the problem solving, right? Something like Apollo 13, right? Things go wrong and they're forced to kind of make do and you're watching it kind of happen in real time 
and yeah. and things are exciting as a result because you got to race against the clock and so forth. This movie posits some of the same kind of things that there is a ticking clock and there is this, but I never feel any real tension. There isn't any, and this was a note that I had throughout most of the space sequence was that I never felt any real tension. There wasn't any yes, sense of danger. There, the the reveal of the of the of the sort of nuclear missiles and so forth really wasn't dr- like too dramatic. I just I, I and and truthfully, I found the actual space stuff like the floating, the light, like the weightlessness. This is where I thought just Clint Eastwood as a filmmaker. It they're just so again. I keep saying lifeless. It's just so uninteresting the blocking of these scenes the sequences when they're looking out the window at lauren dean's character doing the the repair job or whatever it's just like static hanging camera and three dudes looking through a window straight up there is no dynamic tension there's no excitement there's no score that's pulsating like it's really just kind of boring the sequences that are on the uh in the air i i found most of the stuff in space to be uh really my least favorite parts of the movie you would normally think uh, when you once you go to space you think that would elevate because yeah, you're elevated time to, yeah your whole movie <laughs> yeah. has led to this right like yeah you're you should be amping amping it up and then the the reveal itself is disappointing and makes absolutely no sense and just kind of dumb and yeah. then you have yeah i i I'd agree 100 i mean i'm just i'm still entertained but um, sure. definitely, it just it stays within that. It's still at seven. It never goes. Yeah, it above. just doesn't elevate. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go up. It doesn't suck. But it's not doing anything unique or special or different to keep it interesting. That's why. Yeah. yeah it was really tough to connect to it as a result. You know. And, and then the <laughs> reveal, the reveal that Cromwell was kind of behind it to a certain extent, or that there's some that there's some subtext going on or what have you is, uh, it's just so contrived and set up from the very beginning that it doesn't really re- like it doesn't hit when it's like how did he, and how did he find these missions you know these missions it's like we all know it we knew it 45 minutes ago like it wasn't it, we didn't know it know it i meant but like our instinct as as an audience knows that this is the thing so nothing really i found that that reveal wasn't very interesting and in terms of like my space notes i literally have problem after problem is my notes for the things that are in space because none of it resonated with any level of interest. It was just sort of like, yeah, yeah something breaks, something else breaks, something else breaks. So that's, yeah. that. The, uh, there's nothing like unique or interesting about it. And even as you're saying, the real crux of this whole mission is Tommy Lee is now Hank is or Hawk, sorry, is is committing himself to to the to the grand. He's pulling a Spock, you know. He's doing the greater good situation. <laughs> he is full, yeah, yeah. And yeah. good of the many. That yeah. to me didn't have any real weight to it. Disappointing, yeah. I don't know if you felt anything. I know we just talked about like because the scene with him and the stealth bomber, that I said like it wasn't like gut wrenching, but I was like I feel something here. I see, I I see a performance and I feel emotional, you know, around it. But the actual sort of doing of it and the decision to do it. And the, I think this comes down to the music as well. I don't know who did the score for this, but nothing in the score really elevates. And we've talked a lot of before in different movies where the score can really make you feel something, even if the script isn't telling you oh, to yeah. or the or you the get performances. Hans on that, he you you don't have a choice. You feel but it to feel. whether you want to exactly. Whereas this, I felt like the whole scene was played so lifelessly, and then there's no real score to kind of give you that tug at the heartstrings. So it's just sort of like I'm going to kill myself. 
And it doesn't seem to matter to the movie. It doesn't seem to matter to the characters. It doesn't seem to matter to the audience. It just seems to kind of be there. And I thought, this is the whole crux of the movie. Everything about this movie is really building to these two kind of mending their fences and the sacrifice that's about to happen. And I felt nothing about it. I barely even noticed that it was happening. That's how low-key it was. Let me give you a pretty interesting comparison. Now, the composer was uh, Lenny... And Nihas or Nihas, I'm not familiar with his work, and I'm not saying anything w- was bad, but let's compare. And it, it's funny because we had we did Ad Astra, and we have yes. this is not the first time Tommy Lee has died in space. <laughs> True, he was, him him and Brad Pitt, and for all its faults, Ad Astra had a killer soundtrack by Max Richter. Uh, it's a yes. soundtrack I've downloaded and I listened to, and it's teared me up. We don't see Tommy Lee that whole movie in Ad Astra. He's he's in the movie for about six minutes. It's Brad Pitt's show, and when he finally gets up to space and he sees Tommy Lee, he's obviously gone a little bit off because he's just been out in space, and he has to let him go, and he just goes out into space. It's nothing spectacular, but Max Richter makes it, for me anyways, pretty spectacular. Yes, in agreed. In this movie, I, and I felt... Well, put Max Richter, his his ability into this movie, you have a completely different feel. It, music is so underrated, like you said, like it can make or break a scene. Like, yeah. and like I've I've done like some for school. I've done some video work, and it's like an it's a it's a two minute clip. It's an interview. It's a day in the life of somebody, and I add a little bit of music to that it will make you tear up. It's like, oh my God, this really, this is a beautiful story. But without that sound, without that music, it's fine. But it doesn't get you like emotionally sort of there uh, and really kind of feeling at that point. In this movie, I did, I felt nothing. Uh, and I love Tommy Lee. And I, I'm entertained by the movie, but when it comes to, maybe it's not supposed to, and maybe it's just supposed to be popcorn Fun, it's, you know. It, fluff. You don't have a scene like that without wanting emotion. You don't set up the the scenes to be that without wanting to yeah. have an emotional punch. And, and I just think they yeah, just dropped the like ball you said, so lifeless, hard. It, yeah, felt. Uh, I felt like nothing. I, I mean, I wasn't like, oh my god, this is bad. It just wasn't good. I was just okay. You you don't you don't want me to feel. That's that's clear. Okay, fine. I, if you don't want me to feel, I won't. That's okay. That's what you want. <laughs> so it's. Uh, <laughs> It's not like it fails. It just didn't want it. It's like it didn't even want you to feel, which is strange. Yeah. It's very strange. But, I'm really uh, surprised. But that's disappointing. And then he goes, and of course, you have the miraculous landing attempt. Yep. It's just the payoff is just it's it's so small. So All small. it is is like oh you hit the you hit the brakes a bit. Okay. Yep. And you have the the <laughs> call back to the flying brick. Oh, that's it. You make it look so simple. Like there's no real challenge no. like things that you've seen in star trek and star Wars, like where it's like you have to uh oh, you got to hit this button and do this and do that it's so no you just got to tap on the brakes a bit it's just oversimplified and i think it's oversimplified to a bit of a fault or it's yeah that's my opinion on it it's just uh disappointing and i like how they all kind of want to go down with them that's great but yeah it, it would you- be it would mean more if they felt like there was a real challenge like you're saying if there was real tension if there was real dramatics but I never got the impression that there was a real anything at stake here. And that's been the problem throughout the whole movie is that there's nothing in it that delivers any reason to kind of keep watching. You know, it's sort of, oh, they're you know going they're down, but they're fine. 
you know, there's nothing yeah. that it gives any indication that there's like a real danger and a real reason to. We know that they're the big leading actors and they're not going to die. It's just that that the movies doesn't seem to care that the actors don't know that, you know, and that yeah, they seem to know means, it. Exactly, <laughs> they, they the seem script. to be just as fun. Exactly. Yeah, guys, we're not gonna die, so let's not pretend like we are. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's why, why fight it? Because why fight it? Don't yeah, worry about it. It's fine. Because a, a lot of movies render themselves uh, predictable, and that's in, lo- in some cases un- unavoidable, and that's perfectly fine if the characters themselves don't realize it. And that, I think that's yes. I think that's a big fault in this one. That's interesting that you break that up because uh, I didn't quite put it together why this wasn't really hitting on anything. I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for this point. It's over. I'm just wondering why Cromwell just kind of faded away. The, the the Russian called him out yeah, for a moment, it, yeah. and then th- that whole storyline is doesn't play a role at all nope. in the end. Um, has no resonance, have, has no f- anything. Yeah, you have Eastwood's character on a secure line, as he says to not, Knott's Landing, yet everyone <laughs> yeah. can see him on the screen and everyone can hear him. So why what's so big about a secure line? Every, yes. I, I, I bet that made I no the sense same to thing. me. Why? Why is this? It's not like he's in a booth, like a quiet booth someplace. He's like in the middle of the street. Yes basically yeah, yeah so I it's like it. if this is a private moment between him and him that should be that's it but then then don't bother what yeah. else, this seems to be pointless to anyways so it, there were certainly some frustrating things in this movie unnecessarily i think it's um, some oversight uh, in the in the film uh, in my opinion yet again i can't say i think maybe it's because i mean it's, it's easy to like this movie after cowboys and aliens so it's fair it's fair yeah it might yeah. be it's like it's like if you're gonna watch this movie watch it after that and then just thought it was a fun sort of comparison yeah absolutely absolutely but uh, at the end of the day the movie just didn't as much as it takes place in space it never felt elevated it never felt like it was taking itself serious enough at times i didn't find it to be all that compelling so it's another example of a movie that while it 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 doesn't overstay a welcome or it doesn't kind of do anything wrong specifically, a lot of the choices along the way don't really appeal to me and leave me kind of wanting. So, uh, you know, this is another example of Eastwood, I thought, stepping outside of his range by trying to do a, a sci-fi movie with special effects, but it shows his limitations as a filmmaker or maybe his interests as a filmmaker where none of that mm-hmm. really matters. There's nothing that's showcased. There's nothing. The uh, the effects aren't unique or interesting. The performances aren't unique or interesting. And the style of the movie isn't unique or interesting. So you get a, a fairly generic, fairly bland movie that's competently made, but has no real reason to be. I don't watch this movie and think you bring anything new to any story in particular, other than you give an opportunity for four great a- actors of a certain age to perform again it just felt like a real generic movie. So as a result, like I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. I didn't mind when I was watching it this time. Like I felt like, okay, I did that. Yeah. But I, I would never yeah. recommend it to anybody. I wouldn't think, ooh, we should check this out again at a later date to sort of see how it's grown or evolved or improved over time. I don't think I'm going to bring anything more to this movie as I get older. Or, you know. So it just offers me nothing really in advance. I don't think there's anything that I'm going to be chasing. So for me, it's it's a it's a hard pass from here on out. So it's not going on your shelf. The qu- the real question is, does it stay on mine? That is the question. And let Don't me ask your mom. That she'll, is the question. She'll lie. No, no. <laughs> uh, and this is why we're here at Off the Shelf. We're here to decide if it stays on the shelf. And I will say, 
I certainly don't fully disagree with you, Philip. You bring up some good points, which is odd. Not doesn't happen very often, <laughs> but here you are. You have some here and there. <laughs> I would watch this movie again because Eastwood is simply just fun to watch. He's just he draws yeah. my attention. He's got a strong presence. It's not just him. Then you get Tommy Lee. Then you got Donald Sutherland, and I, and then you get Knott's Landing. And I thought, well. That's enough for me to maybe revisit this movie, except the fact that it's not trying to make me tear up or get emotionally attached to any character. It's just kind of fun. Don't take it seriously. Pop it in the the old DVD player. Enjoy it for what it is. But I do accept the fact that it's not terribly good. <laughs> yeah, It's terribly okay. <laughs> just okay and just okay it's just okay but i can i can see myself going back just to get the eastwood ha- a hankering for eastwood i think he has the ability to say i want to watch clint eastwood like your friend mark well, sure but the guy's made 400 I get movies the appeal. And i think you can find a better example of of finding an eastwood movie that yeah, isn't but this, then i have to go out one. i have to buy it and i have to pay for it and i have to put it on my <laughs> shelf this one's already there so might as well just you know keep it at that that's it Actually, I have one other Clint Eastwood movie. It will come off the shelf eventually in the line of fire. Uh, I'm oh. not sure when we'll bring it off. It's something that uh, I have fond memories of, but I'll leave it at that. But those are my final thoughts. It's going to stay on my shelf, uh, and I'll probably watch it again at, at some point. But but no time. I don't. I don't. I got my fill of Eastwood now. I'm I'm good for a while. I've been filled up. <laughs> All right, well, that pretty much fills up this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. We do appreciate it, as always. Uh, join us at the Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave Facebook page. Uh, interact with us there, of course. Uh, share the podcast with uh, everybody you know, uh, any family and friends, and uh, even the people you haven't talked to in about 12, 14 years. Just reach out. Say hi. Say, listen to this. It'll bring you closer, <laughs> I promise. Uh, of Absolutely. course, uh, like the podcast, rate it five stars, and uh, come back and see us next week. Thanks, folks. Good night.